Hi, She 2.0 listeners. This is Ramona. And I'm Jack. Welcome to another podcast. Um, we are still in lockdown mode in Toronto. Um, and today we are speaking about a really important subject. We talked a little bit about it um, throughout previous podcasts, but I don't think we really went deep into this subject and it's all around the loss of muscle mass as we age and we're in menopause. Yeah so today we've got Melissa Fillion joining us who is a personal training coach and um, Melissa's got a really interesting background. She's you know, studied at U of T and um, has a wealth of knowledge to share, but some really interesting points in this podcast, like about the rate that we, you know, lose that bone density and muscle density as we hit a certain age and go through um, menopause. But she also gives us a very big glimmer of hope on how we might be able to sort of help maintain that muscle and bone health. And, uh, and all is not lost just because we're in menopause. No, but we have to put the work in. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. She did say that. <laughs> so hope you guys enjoy Melissa Fillion. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to She 2.0. Hello, and thank you for having me here. And I just want to say thank you for your ladies and what you do, because you provide such a wonderful outlet for information but not only information, but a community that women can openly discuss it. And I think that's very important, especially on the topic of menopause. So thank you to you too, and what everything that you're doing. Thank Aww, you. Thank you, Melissa. That's nice. <laughs> it's great to have you as part of the community too, because you are a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, that's true. And, and we're looking forward to diving into this topic. So Melissa, you completed your undergraduate undergraduate degree at the U of T in biological sciences, followed by a master of kinesiology at Brock. And you did a thesis that focused on estrogen and the effects it has on muscle strength, function, and contractility. Did I say that Got right? It. <laughs> so I'm curious before we dive into the details, which is such an important subject for us, like why that subject for your thesis? Why I chose to do it for my thesis, I mean, what I really want to do and what I've always wanted to do is help people. And I know that sounds so simple, it sounds so cliche, but when it came down to it, there was an opportunity that came up to study estrogen. I thought, oh, that's kind of neat, especially being in an all-male lab. I was the only mm -hmm. female student there, so I was like, okay, well, I mean, this is a great opportunity for me to delve into estrogen, especially being a woman. And I took it upon myself and I said, yeah, you know what, I, I do want to do this. I, will, I want to learn more about estrogen. And I think the role it plays in aging and in women is very important. And it, it, it's information that we all should know so that we can age gracefully, if you will. Yes, right. age successfully, which is something we're all trying to achieve. Were you surprised with what you found out when you were researching this topic? You know what, I was pretty blind before I went into yeah. it. And... It was pretty surprising to see the actual influences that estrogen has in our body. It's not just muscle. There's a, a ton of systems that estrogen actually influences on the human body, female and male, actually, surprisingly. Right. Okay. So <laughs> as we know, menopause is associated with like a natural decline in estrogen and that increases fat mass. It decreases bone mass. It 
and muscle mass and strength, which is sort of what we wanted to talk to you about today. Could you explain to us like how menopause affects women's muscle mass? Sure. So I first off wanted to start off with aging. Yeah. So some encourage and welcome aging while others constantly find ways to defy its progression. That's very normal. Either way you look at it, aging affects us all. It affects you, Ramona. It affects me. It affects you, guys. It affects all of us. Sure so does, in, sister. The <laughs> population is aging more rapidly than ever before. It was actually projected that by this year, 2021, there would be 7 million people over the age of 75. This, of course, has many widespread implications alone within our society. But a health and wellness concern is the loss of skeletal muscle mass with age. Although some may beg to differ, age-associated muscle loss is inevitable. It's bound to occur. Now, muscle strength reaches peak values between 25 and 35 years of age. It's maintained until about 40 to 49. And then there's a 12 to 14% per decade loss after 50. Now, are you ladies familiar with sarcopenia? No, it sounds naughty. (laughs) (laughs) have you heard of the term before no i've heard of it before yes um it has something to do with like muscle loss right so sarcopenia is the loss of muscle tissue as a natural part of aging now what that means it's well of course a reduction in the ability to perform daily tasks the overall reduction in functionality as well as increased risks in injuries and faults. Now what's very interesting is that with age-associated muscle loss, there's a difference between sexes. So there's a difference between males and a difference between females. Now, between young men and premenopausal women, there are no differences. No age-associated differences of muscle loss. Okay. However, as menopause approaches for women, age 45 to 55, there's a dramatic decline in muscle strength versus age-matched men. So in men, muscle weakness starts later. So not until about age 16, it's more of a a gradual decline. Mm -hmm. Whereas with women, it's just boom, gone, she gone. So with menopause, there's this drastic decline in estrogen. And, you know, what's the root cause for this particular observation? Take a wild guess. What's the, what's the root cause? Why are we Est- seeing such a difference? Estrogen. You got it. Yay, I got a point. <laughs> <laughs> got a point. <laughs> what's the first right. thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word estrogen? The very first thing that comes to your mind. Like, like my skin and my um, collagen and like my face sagging and my Boob sagging. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that typically comes to mind, and you, you nailed it, is the female sex hormone, which is responsible right. for a lot. Yeah. So estrogen actually refers to a group of chemically similar hormones that are responsible for sexual maturity and the regulation of the reproductive process. Now, there are three chemically similar hormones that comprise this estrogen group. We have estrone, estradiol, and estriol. Estradiol being the most potent and abundant form, which is secreted by female ovaries. However, it's also produced to a much lesser extent within males, testes Mm. and adrenal glands to be exact. So that actually trumps its perceived exclusivity to females because estrogen can also be found in males. Now, 
within a woman's life, there's a constant fluctuation of estrogen representing distinct stages through her lifespan. So at, for example, the childbearing age, which is defined by extremes as anything from age 12 to 49, the common type of estrogen produced is estradiol. Mm -hmm. Now during pregnancy, estriol is the most prevalent, which is the weakest of the three, and that's produced by the placenta. Now, menopause, despite estrone being the most dominant form, overall, overall estrogen declines greatly. Now, this is where it's kind of funny. Estrone is the estrogen of menopause, and it is known to be reactive, negative, and miserable feeling. That is how it's <laughs> Oh my God, I have it's so much of that <laughs> estrone. I have an abundance of this hormone. Wow. It's responsible for the irritability and moodiness that women feel. Okay. Oh and my. with the bigger, with the bigger <laughs> drop of the, the good estrogen and probably an increase of the bad estrogen is it's still, because estrogen is honestly at an all-time low, there's not a lot of estrone, but yeah. there's a little bit that's, that's kind of floating around. Right. Now, as women reach menopause, which is defined as the permanent cessation of menstruation of period, yeah. naturally occurring between 45 and 55, mm-hmm. an estrogen deficiency, which is the lack of estrogen in the body, occurs. So like I said, estrogen levels are at an all-time low. Mm-hmm at this point. So I just wanna, you know, what do we know? Well, we know that although found in men, age-associated muscle loss is more prevalent among postmenopausal women. We know that an estrogen deficiency or a lack of estrogen has been linked to a loss in muscle strength. We also know that studies that have used an estrogen-based hormone replacement therapy have documented that this loss of strength can in fact be reversible in skeletal muscle of postmenopausal women. So there are multiple studies that have shown that. Now, animal models have actually shown parallel findings in that lower levels of force generation, so the ability of muscle to produce force, as a result of overectomization, which is the removal of ovaries, meaning no estrogen, also have shown signs of recovery with an estradiol replacement. So just quickly, are you familiar with a muscle contraction and how a muscle contraction works? I know what it is. I think so. I don't think either of us got a point on that one. Yeah. (laughs) I want you to take both your hands, open up your fingers, and face them towards each other. So, you know, as simply put, we have our thin filament as our left hand, our thick filament as our right hand. On the thin filament, we have actin. On the right, the the thick filament, we have myosin. And all it is, when a muscle contracts, these two filaments slide over top of one another, creating an orderly array. And these are myosin-actin interactions, and that is essentially the basics of a muscle contraction. Now, how how does estrogen affect all of this? It's been shown that the loss of force that is experienced is... A result of these, my, these myosin-actin interactions and the quality of these interactions. So it's not necessarily the quantity we're having less interactions occur, but it's actually the quality of these interactions, meaning that the myosin and actin are loosely bound, meaning they're not generating as much force. Wow. So that's pretty interesting. What's known, though, is actually 
we don't know the particular pathway that it works through just yet. So my particular research was focusing on, you know, a particular molecular pathway that it was working through. Yeah. But very interesting stuff. It's still not confirmed 100%. We have some ideas, but it's this idea that estrogen is influencing these myosin-actin interactions and the quality of these interactions. Okay, so can we dumb it down a bit then um, and talk about, uh, obviously those interactions are not working well. How does that affect us day-to-day with the loss of estrogen, with these these contractions not maybe working the way that they typically would from a day-to-day perspective, how does it affect our quality of life as women? Like, what does that look like? Like, is that simply, as I mentioned, a loss of strength, a loss of muscle mass, you know, you're hitting menopause and you're feeling the influence. You're feeling weaker. You're, you're getting all the feels of lack of muscle strength class of lock of muscle mass and and how that relates to real life is in, uh, increase the falls increase of fractures right jackie but, just fell down some stairs recently so <laughs> and broke point for you yes. jackie. <laughs> see i'm winning ramona i i literally um <laughs> fell down my stairs and broke two bones in my foot and ended up by having surgery so it was four months in in a cast but I don't think it would have been four months in a cast had I been 20. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And that's a that feeling as well. Absolutely. And the, that decrease in muscle mass can affect our balance as well, can it not? Absolutely. And that's something that I'm actually going to touch on later in what we should be doing to combat these effects. Mm-hmm. But first, I wanted to talk a little bit about hormone replacement therapies because I know that's something that many women do have questions about. They may not know much about it. And I mean, uh, what do you ladies know about hormone replacement therapies? Do you have any experiences yourself? Um, I don't. See, uh, um, as I've mentioned in our podcast previously, I am a cancer survivor. So I did have my ovaries prophylactically removed before I was 40. So I was in menopause by the age of 39. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am not a candidate for hormone replacement therapy because of my uh, uh, previous cancer diagnosis. So um, I've not had the opportunity to use it. I'm always trying to think about things that I can do holistically uh, to support myself. But let's talk about HRT as it pertains to people who are able to uh, check it out. Because I would say, though, like Melissa, that a myth, maybe a myth, but a common conception uh, is that, you know, postmenopausal introducing HRT can cause cancer. And I know there was a big study about that, and then it was debunked, and it caused a lot of fear. Um, but it is my fear. Like, I'm postmenopausal two years now. I went through it early. So I would love to explore it, but I'm afraid to try it. So what I can tell you and share with you ladies is what the research actually shows. So again, I'm by no means a doctor. But what I can tell you is what the research shows. I do consider myself a research. I've spent lots of time going through many articles and studies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hormone replacement therapies, they were first available in the 1940s. They became widely used in the 1960s, which created this revolution in the management of menopause. Now, in the 1990s, two of the largest studies of HRT users had begun. 
And these are the two studies that you're actually referring to. So we have the clinical randomized trial in the US of A, the Women's Health Initiative. We have the observational questionnaire study in the UK, the Million Women Study. Now, the results of these studies were published in 2002 and 2003, and they raised concerns regarding the safety of HRT. So it had said, extended use may increase the risk of breast cancer, and use of HRT may increase the risk of heart disease. So I wanna tell you, what does the research actually show aside from those two studies? So for example, I have two studies here, Sapelia and Toff. They found evidence of enhanced muscle function and size in 50 to 57-year-old postmenopausal women taking HRT in comparison to the placebo controls. So what that simply means is that there's a group of individuals taking HRT, there's a group of individuals taking a placebo that has no effect whatsoever, and they don't know what group they're in. So this particular study, they had a one-year hormone replacement therapy intervention. And this particular study reported that the subjects taking HRT had increased muscle size, increased vertical jump height, and running speed over the course of the study period, while those given a placebo either only maintained or had reductions in all of these measures. Another study, uh, NASON, found significantly better postural balance in older females taking an estrogen replacement relative to those not taking it. However, it is important to note that not all studies with HRT have demonstrated positive results, suggesting that there are a number of confounding factors such as estrogen, dosage, sorry, the estrogen dosage, the diet, activity levels, mm -hmm. age and medication. Mm -hmm. There's lots of variable factors. However, recent research, with recent research, more studies have been supporting HRT use than not. And studies that I like to actually refer to are twin studies. Twin studies are especially great in this particular field because they minimize genetic and physiological variation between HRT users and non-users. So there's one twin study I like to quote. It was back in 2009. And it looked at monozygotic twins, which are identical twins. So they're okay. female twins, they're aged 55 to 56. One was a longtime HRT user, while the other was not. The twin with HRT, hormone replacement therapy, had significantly more muscle power, higher vertical jump, faster walking speed, greater lean mass, and less fat mass than their non-HRT twin. Another study is a, a meta-analysis I like to, to quote as well. A meta-analysis simply means they're looking at a huge bulk of human studies. So this mm -hmm. particular one looked at 29 individual studies. And they looked at the effect of HRT on muscle force and concluded that estrogen exposure has the ability to significantly increase acute muscle force by mechanisms beyond just increases in muscle mass. However, like we had mentioned, there's a common association of HRTs with cancers and strokes. Mm. It was in 2004, or just before, when the controversial, infamous publication of the Women's Health Initiative reported a higher incidence of stroke in women on HRT without increasing any other benefits. Now, there was one major con of this study, and it was the wide range of postmenopausal women. So there were a lot of women in their 60s and 70s, and they also had a lot of confounding factors such as obesity, diet, smoking, drinking habits. Right. So right. that brings us to a follow-up study that I 
by LaCroix in 2011. And they looked at younger postmenopausal women with hysterectomy. So again, no estrogen development here. And they used HRT for six years. And there was no association with an increase of cancer, stroke, or any increases in total mortality. So this here brings us to the key in all of this. Studies have found that the greater benefits of HRT, hormone replacement therapies, have been seen in women closer to the age of menopause, meaning that time is very important. Both animal and human studies have demonstrated that the effects of estrogen replacement are time sensitive, meaning if you're taking it closer to that point of menopause, you're deemed to have better effects and better benefits than you would, you know, 10 years after menopause has already occurred. Oh, okay. So this explains why young postmenopausal women may benefit the most from timely HRT following menopause. And it also explains the lack of benefits found in that infamous 2004 Women's Health Initiative study. Since most of the study, sorry, most of the subjects in the study were well past menopause. So again, 60s to 70s. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like I said, I by no means a doctor. Mm-hmm. So definitely consult the doctor before mm-hmm. taking any type of HRT. But what I would recommend is having a doctor that is open-minded. Because again, there are many doctors who are very close-minded. They're very narrow-minded. You know, they cause breast cancer. They cause strokes. Having an open-minded doctor can actually, you know, analyze the studies that are out there and deem, you know, are you viable for HRT? And I also want to note that HRTs do not affect women the same. So women have had very different results. I've spoken with a few groups of women now, and I've had women who just rave about their experience with HRT, just absolutely, it's their saving grace. They love it. They would tell Mm -hmm. everybody about it. But then I've also had women who they said they found no benefits, no positive effects. So they just stopped taking it. So it's not just like a, a cookie cutter, you know, HRT is going to fix us all. It, it's not. We all react very differently. HRTs may work with some women and it may not work with some women. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about, can we talk a little bit about other options? Like for those of us who, who can't uh, use hormone replacement therapy or aren't yet ready to do so, are there things that we can do uh, whether it be holistically, nutrition-wise, exercise-wise, that can help mitigate some of these um, symptoms that we get with muscle loss? Well, there are some plant-derived alternatives, which are called phytoestrogens. So it's an mm-hmm. isoclavine and genistein. And I'll send you all of the names. But they yeah. stem from a soy or red clover, and they have been shown to produce the same effects and benefits as estrogen. And this was a study back in 2013 that showed that. And these compounds found in plants are chemically similar to estrogen, which enable them to have estrogen-like actions when they come into the human body. However, they do not bind to estrogen receptors as firmly as estrogen itself, which means Mm -hmm. their effects may be weaker than an estrogen replacement, Mm -hmm. for example. And... Just going back into that, like I said, HRT may be a viable option for you, but it may not be a viable option Mm -hmm. to you. I can tell you what a viable option is for every single person. Yeah. Exercise. Yeah. 
Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the kind, like, I mean, we have talked about it quite a bit on the podcast, but it's always a good reminder, especially when we're talking specifically around muscle mass and how important that is for us as we age. Mm -hmm. Um, What are those key activities we should be doing? And maybe some we should talk about that maybe we don't need to be doing as much of. Because like, this is a good topic because I know Ramona and I have talked about this before, but, um, and you can confirm or deny if this is true, but you know, if you're a big runner or jogger and as we, you know, hit menopause and perimenopause, we start to get that, we call the middle age spread, right? That weight around our tummy, it's really hard to like lose weight as much. And so, you know, we like, I know me personally, I automatically turn to cardio, like, okay, I got to jumpstart this, but I've heard that cardio in this age group, in this demographic, is not actually as beneficial as um, as building muscle mass through like resistance and weight training. But is there um, is there a correlation between running and our menopausal body, and how that might break down the muscle, like have the reverse effect? I wouldn't say that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with cardio. Obviously, it's more beneficial to do strength training, but cardio is very good for your heart. It's cardiovascular. It's good for the heart. Consider it heart health. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, you know, the maintenance of muscle mass, especially in a period where we are susceptible to an accelerated loss, we need something more than just aerobic endurance exercise. And that's where resistance strength training comes into place. And that's where balance exercise, especially as we age, comes into into a place. So what is resistance strength training? I mean, It seems kind of intimidating. It can be intimidating for those who have not heard of it. It's simply building muscle with resistance. Now, that resistance could be you. It could be your body weight. And well, if you're anything like me, you've hit a high score this holiday season on the scale. (laughs) (laughs) COVID-15, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be free weights like dumbbells or kettlebells. Mm -hmm. And... With virtual training and and with the lockdown that we're in right now, I've been doing a lot of virtual training and we Mm -hmm. get very creative with the resistance that we can use. I mean, we're using wine bottles, we're using (laughs) soup, we're using jugs of water, we're using, you know, bags filled with books. You can get creative with it. Mm -hmm. But another thing I really want to emphasize is functional movement and training. And that simply means that what you are doing has a purpose and it translates to activity beyond your workout. It's focusing on movement patterns. So this could be simple things like squats, lunges, or a deadlift. These are all compound exercises that require more than one muscle group to work together, and it mimics everyday movement patterns. So for example, you know, picking up heavy groceries from the, from the ground. You know, after grocery shopping, you have these bunch of bags on the floor, you wanna pick them up. I'm not saying that we, deliberately trained for picking up groceries, but the movements <laughs> that we do prepare you to do that in a very safe man- manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we train you to do a hinge properly where you can, you know, deadlift to pick up your groceries in a very safe manner that we're utilizing our legs and our butt as opposed to our low back where we could injure ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we teach you things like proper rotation. So you're not going to throw out your back when you're rotating your spine. We teach you proper pull and push movements, squats. And so again, it's really important to emphasize functional movement in terms of resistance strength training. And I know you had talked a little bit about 
bone mineral density. I don't know, I, I didn't research bone min mineral density, but I had a really close friend who did, and he actually just shared a recent article with me. And I think this is very pertinent because a lot of people may think, you know, what if I have osteoporosis? Will, yeah. this, will the impact from exercise make it worse? So this study was just published in 2019, September of 2019. It's by Hartley and his colleagues. And I just want to quickly define osteoporosis. Essentially, the bones become thin. They become less dense, more porous, fragile. They lose their strength, less quality, and they're more prone to fractures. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, postmenopausal women are at a particular risk of developing osteoporosis. Ding, 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 points for us. Because of the <laughs> we get all the fun. It's so great <laughs> being a woman. <laughs> because of our estrogen deficiency, which leads to bone loss. So not only does an estrogen deficit lead to a lack in muscle strength, lack of muscle mass, also bone and bone mm -hmm. mass. That has been mm -hmm. proven. So research on bone mineral density and high impact exercises has been limited to postmenopausal women. Again, another surprise. Most research is done on men or younger groups. Postmenopausal women are often, you know, not really looked at for this type of research. Mm -hmm. So although high impact exercise is beneficial to bone strength, aging individuals may have concerns to the effect on their joints. Mm -hmm. So what did this study show? This study was the very first study to show changes in femoral neck bone mineral density. The femoral neck is simply your hip, which is a, it's the most common place for hip fractures. Yeah. Following high unilateral exercise with menopausal women. So unilateral simply means one half the body. In this particular case, they were looking at single leg exercises. So they did six months of progressive high impact unilateral exercise and they found that it improved the femoral neck bone mineral density without any detrimental effect on knee articular cartilage. Mm -hmm. So this showed that high impact exercise is an effective intervention to benefit bone strength in postmenopausal women. Wow, that's really good news. That's well, very and good I news. think it's, a, it's important to share this information as well, because I think a lot of women as they age are scared to be as active as they used to be for fear of falling or, sure. you know, hurting themselves or whatever. So it is important to keep as active as you were before. But I'm not saying like, don't start off with impact and like exercise. For don't sure. Don't go out there doing yes. you know, box jumps. That's yeah. Yeah. No. Right. If you've never exercised before or you've done so very minimally, high impact wouldn't be necessary at the start, right. but it's simply saying don't be afraid. Right. Bone requires regular and progressive loading to maintain and increase its mass. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid. So are you saying like, just so we're clear, like a HIIT workout, like a high intensity interval training? Like that would be, if someone is used to exercise, that would be something we should really explore. Absolutely, absolutely. When, when I say a high impact in terms of the study, it means jumping, like a lot of jumping exercises or anything yeah, like skipping that. Yeah, okay. skipping and, okay. Skipping, and I mean, with pelvic floor physiotherapy, I'm sure you're well aware skipping doesn't always agree with a lot of women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, don't be afraid to do it, especially since we're yeah. all at home. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I wanted to just bridge from there. You know, how do you start? You know, say you're new to exercise. Say you want to start. You want to start making positive changes to improve your quality of life. 
You want to combat the effects of estrogen. You want to increase bone mineral density, muscle mass, muscle strength, function. What do you do? You get moving. It's very simple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You get moving. You could start off going for walks, going for hikes, not falling downstairs, but (laughs) can we rule out burpees? Can we say that burpees are not menopause friendly? (laughs) Can I get that anywhere in writing? (laughs) In December, I did, I think it was 500 burpees. A charity event that we had at our gym. Oh my so I didn't God. want to hear that term. I'm almost offended by that term, Jackie. Don't we do not talk about this right now. Okay, okay good. <laughs> Ramona will drop and show us 20 right now. <laughs> oh my God. I don't think that I was- could do five burpees at this point. I hate them. <laughs> I'm using really my foot. Though, <laughs> when it comes to making change, is making exercise a habit versus a chore. When something becomes a chore, it's something that's left on the back burner. It's not really a priority. We'll get to it yeah. another time. We're too busy for it. It has to become a lifetime. It has to become a habit, which is a lifestyle change. You have to integrate it. You have to make it a priority. Now, and one thing, since I'm on this platform, I really want to to share this with you because I think it's very important for women. Do it from a place of love and not hate. As women, we are our worst critics. Yes. Preach. Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? Life is hard. We yeah. don't need any more negative reinforcers in our life. Life is too hard as is. Yeah. And so I don't like to hear, you know, oh, my legs are fat. Like there's so much cellulite. I really want to lose my leg fat. And I want to just bring this perspective to you. You know, what has brought you to every wonderful moment in your life? What has brought you through every hardship in your life? Your legs. I was like going to say wine, actually. <laughs> wine and your legs. Okay, running <laughs> to get the arm, wine. <laughs> your body. And I want this idea that we are strong. We've been through so much shit. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are strong. And I want this to be a mindset that we're improving on what's already there. We have a strong foundation as women. We need to build a better version of ourselves, a stronger version of ourselves. It's not that we're not strong. Mm -hmm. but we're wanting to improve what's already there. So I think it's really important to start from a a place of love. And I think if you start with that, you have a better chance of sustaining yourself and your goals. So another example too is, you know, I want to work out three times a week. That's my goal. How about you say, you know, I want to get active or get moving Mm -hmm. every day as best as I can, you know, try to get three workouts in. But the reason why I'm doing this is because it's beneficial for not only my mental health, but my physical health. And that's why I'm doing this. And I think yeah. that's very important when it comes to anybody starting out. Come from a place of love. We're trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to achieve a better quality of life. And we can do that. You know, we, yeah. have, um, we have Janet Olmstead who joins us sometimes and she's great. She's the queen of play. And she talks about just exactly what you're saying, like approach exercise, not as a chore, that you keep pushing in your calendar, but as something you look forward to doing, like, you know, if you're home with the kids, grab them and do something or go for, do something with a friend, like just make it, you know, don't go hard and furious, like make it something that's achievable um, and, and enjoyable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, understanding your body and just knowing that it's capable of certain things and it's not capable of certain things. One thing I'll say and what I, I've learned is that, you know, although we all have the same premise for function, we all function very differently. Our bodies have very certain capabilities and of course limitations. 
-hmm. And I think it's very important to understand that. So if you see somebody, you know, doing a, a particular squat and then you try to do it, you might not be able to do it because you might not be able to function in that way. And that's very important to know, especially when it comes to understanding our bodies. Yeah. And I think it's also important to sometimes put your ego aside. I know I've had to do Absolutely. that. Like I, you know, I, I'm not able to do the things that I used to be able to do in, you know, my twenties and thirties. And, um, I'm still an active person and, and maybe my exercise just needs to change a little bit. My body's been through a lot and now with menopause, it's changing even more. And so I've had to really be honest with myself about what I can do and, and that it's okay that I'm, you know, maybe not doing the, you know, hour long, you know, heavy lifting workouts and cardio training and that sort of thing that like uh, a 30 minutes of yoga is just as important to me now as maybe my older workouts would have been when I was and younger. Stretching and yoga is very important. Can I yeah. talk a little bit, actually, because I do a lot of yoga, so this is more a selfish question for me, but like when we talk about muscle mass and, and that contracting and, and having to have like particular muscle building exercises incorporated, um, does yoga count? Because I mean, there is a lot of body resistance depending on the type of yoga that you're doing. So say if we're talking a bit more of like a more athletic yoga, like an Ashtanga or something where, where you are, you know, doing a lot more downward dogs and upward dogs and like lifting yourself, does that count as one of those exercises that help with muscle mass? Now, yoga is very centered, at least very basic yoga is centered around isometric contractions. And what an isometric contraction is, is a hold. So you have a type of exercise where you can do, you know, a bicep curl, which yeah. is a movement. Whereas isometric holds, you're holding downward dog. You're holding, you know, whatever position they do in mm -hmm. yoga. I'm not, I love yoga. I'm not good at it. So I'm not <laughs> really sure, but I love yoga. Yeah. And... I will say I went to yoga once, did a whole routine. The next day, I feel like my ass was pitched. Yes. So absolutely, yes, yeah. it does. It's, it's filled with isometric holds. It's, your muscles are still working. They're working differently. They're building muscles yeah. differently, but they're still working. Okay. I think yoga is very important as well in terms of mobility, mm -hmm. in terms of core strength. So I would absolutely recommend yoga. It's a great complement to a normal resistance training workout. I have members who will do you know, workouts here at the club three times a week. Of course, not now during lockdown. Let me yeah, Yeah, yeah. And um, they'll do yoga two times a week to kind of supplement that. Right. Okay. And they find that it really helps them with their movement just in general. Yeah, I love it. And I find, you know, especially now with so many other challenges in our lives, it's also like, it's almost, well, it is meditative, right? So you're also mm -hmm. getting the mental health benefit I mean, with all exercise, you also get the mental health benefit. And that's not something that we've touched on. We're more focused on the physical today. But yeah. it is true that it really helps us with our mental health. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I also just want to throw out there as well. I mean, I would love to offer anybody, if they want to chat, if they want, I'd love to offer you a complimentary initial assessment with me at Nova Health Club as well in Oakville. And that's where I work. Uh, to go over what your body's capable of doing, what your limitations are. I would love to just have a chat with you, and I want to just throw my email out there if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we'll include all this information, too, in our posts so that 
you know, yeah. link to your, your I highly information. Welcome the chat. If anybody wants to talk, I highly welcome any questions, any concerns you have, email okay. me, Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at novahealthclub.com. Okay. And again, Nova Health Club are located in Oakville. Okay, that's great. Um, just like one question though, on back to our exercise and you know, like, like as Ramona said, you know, there's so many positive mental health benefits to it. And as you've given us all this great material to think about, is there anything we shouldn't be doing? Is there anything that you feel like our body with this decrease in estrogen and uh, the concern about our, you know, our muscle mass, is there anything we should be avoiding? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no on that. I said okay. any, you know, anything that makes you happy and you enjoy doing and it's keeping you active, I think that's absolutely fantastic. If you're a runner and you love running five times a day, do I think that's harmful for you? No. Okay. It's absolutely, you know, it's, it's, not, it's different from resistance strength training, absolutely. Would you see me running five days? No. <laughs> but some people love it and I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think it's great just to get moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's important to live an active lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Because, um, I don't know if you've heard of the term, but exercise as medicine. Yeah. yeah. Right? I believe it. I mean, you know, you just, and exercise begets exercise. You know, um, if you think about starting small and you say to someone, okay, we'll start with one minute. Well, no one's going to do one minute. Because as soon as you do one minute, you get the good feels from it. You want to keep going. Okay. Right? So, so it is a I think little. You had, you had Sharon last week or a couple of weeks ago. You had Sharon. Yes. She was telling me today. She's like, you know, I was only supposed to do 10 minutes today. She's like, but I did 50 because I was just feeling so good. <laughs> I'm like, good for you. That's awesome. That's yeah. right. Little things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And Sorry. just getting moving. Like if you just go out for a hike, go enjoy nature, enjoy the beauty that's in this world, get out hiking, hike. I mean, I just went hiking last weekend. My heart rate was climbing those big hills. Let me yeah. tell you. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, great. that's great. great. There. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think awesome. it's a, it's a good routine to get into. I, I started with some girlfriends um, to attack the Bruce trail, like a few kilometers every oh, yeah. year. Yeah. And it was, you know, we went a little further than anticipated, but um, it was such a great feeling of accomplishment after too, like being out there all day, hiking for 10 hours. And then just, you just feel like you, you've done so much good for your body, for your brain. Absolutely. And then you've earned like several glasses of wine and some carbs, <laughs> <laughs> maybe some pasta. But yeah, there's <laughs> nothing negative to say about that. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. I think this was a really important subject for us to tackle. Um, and I think it's going to make a lot of people think about um, their lifestyle. And, and I think it's, I think it'll surprise a lot of women to hear about the, the loss in muscle mass and particularly around yeah. menopause and how mm -hmm. like drastically it the can drastic, decrease. Yeah. So it's important to keep our bodies moving. That's yeah, right. absolutely. This is great. And if you, um, if you have some more research as you're going along that you think would be of interest to our audience, we'd love to stay in touch and have you come back and join us. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. I'd love that. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you.